1: A new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy...
0: Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the
2: 4K TV you've
0: been waiting for. Let's
2: go! This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSENG. <laughs>
3: And welcome to the Lombardi Line, I'm presented by Bet MGM Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next two hours. And Wes, before we look ahead here to a new week in the NFL, we do want to put to bed what we saw last night in Monday Night Football. And I'm still trying to make of what we actually saw last night in Monday Night Football so the Chiefs get the win, but they don't get the cover. The Giants do. And those under tickets cash with that 20-17 to 17 final score. You and I, right before the show, briefly, we're talking about this, and we'll look ahead to the Chiefs next week against Green Bay. But boy, I just don't know how right now you would confidently back your money financially when you look at the Chiefs. And again, their defense actually played better, but it was the Giants. It's Wes. It's that offense that looks like if it's not broke, it's at least damaged. Mm-hmm. And and I don't, you know, you trust Andy Reid and Eric Bien-Ami and Patrick Mahomes to fix it. But week in, week out, it's not getting fixed, and the over never even sniffed it last night.
2: Well, I'll start on the Giants side because the Giants, you know, certain teams are really good in certain roles from a, a spread perspective. Mm-hmm. Giants are very good as a road underdog, and that's, I believe, now 19 and four over the last four years. I think both you and I were on the G men yep. last night. But uh, you, you're right about the Chiefs and the fact that obviously they're not the same there there's there's something way off and and we were talking about it before we came on air here Patrick Mahomes is not getting that luck that he got last year because look you don't really want to change him too much because he's so dangerous and he's so effective and obviously can put up these monster numbers and has the ability to kind of get in and out of the pocket and in different positions on the field but sometimes you got to live with the turnovers. And last year he didn't get those turnovers because a lot of those interceptions got dropped. Right now you get like a little bit of regression and you get that luck and the regression monster on the other side. And those interceptions that got dropped last year, all of a sudden getting picked, go back to the uh, one in the first quarter, as I was watching the Manning cast, which I usually will do for these Monday night football uh, telecasts, Mm -hmm. And he's like, You know what the Giants ought to do? They ought to drop eight in coverage. I always hated facing eight in coverage when we were on the goal line because it just congests the already condensed area on the field, and I always hated facing that defense. And what do you know, Mahomes forces it. It gets batted in the air, and a Giant defender picks it off. And that's, I believe, like 12 on the year now for Mahomes. Kelsey also had a fumble later in the game. So you can tell that the Chiefs' offense – is not as sharp and is not as crisp. Now, the one thing they can still do, they can still get yards and score points. I know they really didn't last night. 4.8 yards of play, only scored 20 points. Uh, They had the ball a lot more than the Giants, Mm -hmm. too. So, obviously, that kind of, uh, you know... Conflates those stats, they got, if you will The
3: running game got going a little bit with Gore And I was like, wait, that's not Frank Gore is it?" Yeah. No, it was not Frank Gore uh, But again, you, you started to run the ball a little bit They're going to have to do some They of that.
2: need to run the ball more
3: They right? do, and to your point about the, the picks here Right now, he's leading the league in picks And he's got three uh, inside the red zone Which also leads the NFL Those are very un-Pat Mahomes things And so when you're starting to look at them You go, boy, at some point The Chiefs have to be the Chiefs Maybe these are the Chiefs mm-hmm. And that could be the problem here from a gambling perspective We've, we've talked about ATS, what, what a porous team they've been. If you've been backing them over the last two years, even on the run of the Super Bowl last year, they have not been a team that's covering. So maybe we as betters and the general public expect more out of the Chiefs, but when you really watch this team operate, you go, I, I don't know what there is really to like when their defense is not good and if their offense has now regressed to the mean a little bit, mm-hmm. and to your point about Pat Mahomes, look, he he's great, and you can watch it in the Manicats, catch, and I watch some of it too. It's almost like they bite their tongues before they want to criticize Patrick Mahomes because he's one of those guys that normally you're just not you're on the wrong side if you're mm-hmm. criticizing Pat Mahomes. But you can feel it with Eli and Peyton last night saying, "Boy, some of these decisions, the jump pass at the goal line, yeah, you know, early in the first quarter, you're like, what is that?" Yeah, and when you get away with it. It's everybody loves you, and when you don't get away with it, I think you're ripe for criticism. And right now this Chiefs offense, again, next week against the Packers, that's going to be a very interesting game. We've already seen that line start to move uh, big time after what we saw last night. Look, let's do an early handicap on it because when you look at the Chiefs now going forward, you're going to have Green Bay coming in here, 7-1 and Packers. They've gone 7-0 and in their last seven ATS after that uh, week one debacle against New Orleans. So they're hot right now. But the Chiefs, do you feel like now people are going to start backing off them and say, all right, my eyes are not deceiving me. This team just isn't that, that good.
2: Yeah, when everybody jumps off, though, is that's when I'm willing to get on. I feel like uh, Larry at weekend at Bernie's when he jumps on the docked boat, if you will, and it's like they're getting off and we're getting on. You know, it's not (laughs) the boat's not about to leave, and that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing here with the Chiefs. But when you look now, the Chiefs, I believe it is a three sixteen and one against the spread mark the last 20 games. So obviously they have not been covering numbers, but when you're the Chiefs, you're going to have a lot of big numbers that you're not going to be able to cover. That's There's right. a lot of games where they were laying double digits. It's hard to cover double digits in the National Football League. And I was just kind of looking at this log. Now you're starting to see some ones on Green Bay, right? So the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time here in 2021 are going to be an underdog. And I think, you know, look, I'm waiting on one and a half because I would like to tease the Chiefs up and I may even bet the Chiefs as a small home underdog because it's not even an endorsement of the Chiefs because I do feel that they're – that. Where there's smoke, there's fire. There's obvious problems there that anybody can see, but... It's more going against the overpriced Green Bay here, mm. who I don't really believe. They've beaten one good team now. They beat Arizona on the road. you got to give them credit for that. But this was an Arizona team also not used to being undefeated, right. not used to being on a short week. Yep. So, you know, you got that. that's already kind of baked into the line here. But looking at the Kansas City Chiefs' log, because I was trying to look the last time they were an underdog, and I don't count the January 3rd game against the Chargers because they had clinched. Right. Everything so they did not play a lot of the starters. So they were six and a half at home. So the last time the Kansas City Chiefs were really an underdog. Was against Baltimore in 2020 on the road, I believe, week three of the 2020 season. They were getting three and a half at in Charm City in Baltimore, or they beat Baltimore rather, Straight 34 up. to 20. Yep. So you know now you're kind of getting the adjustments and you're getting this role reversal with the Chiefs, where it's like now they're an underdog and they absolutely probably should be an underdog. This was two and a half, by the way, Chiefs laying on the look ahead, but now it was going to reverse because they looked so unimpressive last night, but I think Green Bay. I don't want to. You never want to call a seven and one team fraudulent. No, but I don't think they're as good as that record. And I think if you look at a lot of the offenses they have faced, they faced the Washington Football Team, the Chicago Bears, the New Orleans Saints, uh, and, Pittsburgh and, and Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a couple others. All of these in the bottom twenties, kind of out of 32 teams in the league. So. Now you're getting a Kansas City Chiefs offense that, while fractured, you know, or at least banged up, right. if you want to call it, is not totally broken. They can still move the football, and they still have explosive playmaking ability. They just got to not turn the ball over. So I want to see this get to one and a half where I can, number one, tease it up to seven and a half with Kansas City. It's like I'll take a touchdown and a hook at home and arrowhead in what's really a monster game for Kansas City, and then I'm debating probably, and I'll probably end up going ahead and taking the one or the and and a half just just on on the spot because i think everything's baked into the cake and then one thing i do want to point out all this stuff like on short rest the 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 odds makers already have that put into the number when they open the numbers so i know people are saying "Eh, the chiefs are on very short rest well look at the two monday night uh, teams last week new orleans and seattle neither were impressive both of them were very impressive on Sunday. That's New right. Orleans beats Tom Brady with the third-string quarterback. Seattle runs over Jacksonville. The game was never close from the get-go. So keep in mind when you're playing that, oh, they're on short rest for Monday night. That's already priced in.
3: Yeah, I think it's an interesting point you make when you look at week nine here. Because, again, this thing opened up the look ahead with the Packers. Uh, favored by, uh, excuse me, getting two and a half points. And now that that's swung to pick them here at Bet MGM and to some shops, even the Chiefs now a small dog, you just can't imagine Kansas City at home week nine in the NFL against any team mm-hmm. being an, a home underdog potentially. But I think you're right on if you hold out here I think the Chiefs it will move that way if we're going to anticipate that line move that people are going to say, wow, okay, we all saw it. Yeah, they beat the Giants, but it wasn't impressive. They haven't been impressive now. Their numbers, ATS, have been awful for the last year and a half. If you get that one, you get that one and a half, I think you're right on that you could tease that up through that key number of seven potentially if you get this to a point and a half. So maybe if you're a Chiefs backer, or contrarian better here, you might want to wait a couple days and see if you can get that key number of one, one-and-a-half here and back the Chiefs in that spot. I'd I, I feel more comfortable about that, doing it the teaser mm-hmm. way, than necessarily playing the Chiefs right now uh, outright. But I understand your logic because it is probably the best value that you're going to get if you want to back the Chiefs here uh, in week number nine. Okay, so the Giants now very quickly, they're going to go back home, licking their wounds in a game that they could have won. And the Raiders come to uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey next week. So this is now going to be an interesting spot because the Raiders now on the road in a game that they're going to be expected to win. Wes, I wonder if that's a bit of a trap here for the Raiders going back to these. Well,
2: speaking of a team that's not used to this role, that being the silver and black is a road favorite because you don't see that very often. They've already played, I believe, three road games this year. At Pittsburgh, they were getting five and a half. Mm. At the Chargers, they were getting three. At Denver, they were getting five. They are now the leaders in the AFC West right now. Uh, And look, uh, you know, I don't want to say control their own destiny because we're barely halfway through the season. (laughs) But this this is a little bit of a tougher spot for the Raiders. They are not used to this. And you got a Giants team now as a home underdog that did get it done over Carolina a couple weeks ago. And look, this Giants team is not a lot to write home about. But it's no surprise that based off an unimpressive performance against a down Kansas City team, that the Giants didn't look very good but still got the cover but didn't get the win. So now you're seeing 3 one fifteen on the Raiders. This is something to wait for. You may get 3 in the hook with the Raiders laying it on the road, and then I might be interested in Big Blue. We'll
3: talk about this game a little bit more as we go on throughout the show because this is a very interesting game for me. And again, because of Danny Dimes, the road splits, he's much better on the road ATS than he is at home. But the Raiders, in an unfamiliar spot here, being a road favorite in the game now. They're expected to win. We'll talk about that more. Will Hill is going to join us later on this hour. And also Benjamin Albright is going to join us in the next hour talking about that big Von Miller trade and what it means for the Broncos going forward. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here at Leeson, the Esports Betting Network. problem call 1-800-522-4700 alongside Wes Reynolds I am Dave Ross this is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN we were talking about the Raiders and the Giants looking ahead obviously with the Giants playing on Monday night Wes and now they go back home looking their wounds in a game I think they think they could have won last night in Kansas City and they're gonna get the old home dog Plus three Raiders coming to town. Now they now lead the AFC West. It's a game that I'm sure that they look at and say, we got to figure out a way to win this one. But you know with the Giants, I don't know what to get because they show flashes, right? But then Danny Dimes sometimes makes bad plays. Sometimes the feel that he has or the lack thereof in the pocket, you wonder what style of game you're going to see on Sunday. And you look at that, that total there, 47. It was kind of a very pedestrian offensive output. For the giants it gets a bad kansas city team do you get any feel for what you uh, might see on sunday
2: well the concern for the giants too is obviously injuries as well yes. we saw it they have not i mean we know saquon barkley when he came back he went injured and he's still officially listed as questionable for the game sunday but sterling Shepard got hurt last mm-hmm. night kenny galladay did not play so you're starting to, you know, the Giants, uh, I mean, they're they're down on weapons anyway, and now getting more guys hurt, that's obviously a, a cause for concern. But you mentioned not knowing what you're going to get out of the Giants. I actually don't know what I'm going to get out of the Raiders now because they've had the two games since John Gruden uh, was forced to submit his resignation. Uh, Rich Bistachia, the new uh, head coach, interim head coach, uh, the special teams coach normally by trade, but also now with added responsibilities. So what do the Raiders do? they've responded in a big way twice. They went to Denver and won as, as outright underdogs, and then they beat the Philadelphia Eagles at home. So it's like you've got that wave of emotion that you're riding, that you're riding, that you're riding the two straight victories. You're now leading in the AFC West. Then you get a bye week. Mm. And it's like, is that a good thing to kind of, you know, oh, God, let's take a breather. We've been through so much right? stuff and so much angst. Or – does it force them into a little bit of complacency where it's like, okay, now we got all through that, we're good, but do they lose their edge? Mm. You know, because they've clearly had an edge, I I think, in these last two games where they've been out to prove something, and they've been out to prove everybody wrong, that this is a good football team, that they can win without John Gruden kind of being the Overall controller of the operation. I know Mike Mayak is the GM, but Gruden obviously had the final decisions right. on not only personnel, what? but play calling. I mean, you paid him all that money for him to pretty much run everything. <laughs> and he was. And now everything changes and everybody's role switch. And it's like, this guy gets this responsibility. This guy gets that responsibility. And everything kind of changes around. And they've been able to make it work for two weeks. But my concern with the Raiders is, have you lost a little bit of the emotional edge? Now, did you need the bye week to kind of reassess things, or have you lost that emotional edge? And that's why I'm a little gun-shy to necessarily lay them on the road. No surprise that out of sight, out of mind, and you saw the Giants last night kind of look, you know, very meh, and very blah, and the fact that they're 2-6, and and they're not healthy, and, you know, even though they got the cover as a road underdog, which that's what the Giants do, that's their best role, is road favorite being the best role for the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm not so sure about that.
3: Yeah, I think it's a tricky one to to handicap and navigate and maybe wait the week and see if that moves, but I have a feeling that number might stay right where it is because it feels like one that's, if it's confusing us, as we try to get a read on it, I'm sure it's confusing the general public as well. So right now, the Raiders, a three-point road favorite uh, on Sunday. Let's get to the uh, World Series here tonight, Wes, because the venue switches back to Houston for game number six, and you got Luis Garcia against Max for the Braves going tonight. So obviously, boy, if you're the Braves, you feel like we led for nothing, right? We're at home. It's game five. We're going to put this thing to bed. And then they don't do that. And the Astros come roaring back and get that nine to five win to extend the series. Look, you got two games to play with here, obviously, if you're Atlanta. But you almost feel like with Max Freedom with the injury to Charlie Morton, this is kind of like your last best shot. So when you look at this here and you see what we have for the full game and obviously uh, the over-under stuck there at 9, juiced a little bit uh, to the under at minus 120. And the Astros now, if you want to take them for the full game, uh, lay that run in a half plus 155. Great money there, great value. What do you make now? Because, again, sometimes we talk about attitudes of teams. It kind of feels like the Astros feel like they have new life. And I'm not saying the Braves are playing with house money, but this feels like the last game where they could really – Play loose before it might get tight.
2: Right. I understand where you're coming from here. By the way, the second appearances for both of these pitchers, uh, Max Fried gave up five runs and five innings pitched in game two. Garcia went in game three. Only gave up one earn, but kind of was living dangerously. Yes. He did walk four guys. Only went three and two-thirds. Uh, if you've kind of looked at this series, there has been a little bit of a pattern Correlated parlays have absolutely been getting there, depending on if you've got the right correlations, and the right correlations have been when Atlanta wins these games, they're usually lower scoring. Mm -hmm. All three wins in this series for the Braves have been eight runs or less. Both wins for the Houston Astros have been nine runs or more, so... You know, if you're going with, okay, I like the Astros, then you can go Astros and over, Braves and under. What I'm going to go ahead and do tonight is I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they're going to force Game 7. $1. twenty-five at BetMGM is about the market low. There's some one thirty and some change out there as well. I do like Houston here in the spot. I think, you know, getting that win in Game 5 kind of allows them maybe to play loose here. Because to your point, Dave... I think the Braves now, it's like we've had control of this series. Now the Braves kind of get a little bit tight here. Mm. That might that might very much happen because if you look, Atlanta's offense really needs to fire on all cylinders. I know Freed was spectacular the second half of the regular season, and you would think he's pretty likely to bounce back kind of off that shaky performance I mentioned in game two. Look, worst two-start stretch in his postseason career, and – Eleven earned runs he is allowed combined against the Astros in Game Two, plus the Dodgers in Game Five of the NLCS. So that's the worst he has been actually since very early April, like the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, and and look, Freed was very aggressive, I think, against an offense that's pretty known for its patience. The Astros don't strike out a lot. No, they will take their walks. They will be absolutely patient. Uh, and you know. That that's what you're worried about. I mean, you know, how aggressive do you want Freed necessarily to be? So the entire lineup also, it's kind of been different guys in different games, but the entire lineup's going to have to uh, contribute. Look, Ozzy Albez didn't have a hit in Atlanta, only reached base three times, had five strikeouts. Freddie Freeman and Adam Duvall woke up at home, but they haven't been so great on the road. And then you've got the Astros. This offense is obviously always dangerous. Uh, they they can put up runs in a hurry. They draw walks. You look at now they have Garcia on the mound from a pitching standpoint. His home ERA was a 2.29 away from Houston. It was a 4.24. Ooh. So you've got a pitcher that the you know, the home away splits are very well defined here with Garcia. So. I, I've, I like the Astros here. I think the number is about right. Look, when you're in game six of the World Series, a number and a price is not really going to be off, Dave. Right. So the, you're kind of laying what you get here. So I do think that the Astros are going to force game seven, and I did like them in the series. Didn't bet them for the full series. But I, I, I think they at least – this is a veteran team, and they at least, I think, going forward – feel like, okay, we at least got out of Atlanta with the chance to win. We just got to win two at Minute Maid Park. Meanwhile, it's the Braves that are kind of like, Oh, boy, we we had these guys beat. 4-0 Grand Slam in the first inning. It's it's over. It's like, man, momentum is a very real thing. It's like we had these guys dead to rights, and we let them off the hook, so to speak.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I I did back Houston when they were down two games to one uh, at plus value, plus 155. Didn't feel really good when they fell behind 3-1 after blowing that 2-0 lead in game four. So, like It was like one game that Houston felt like they had to even up the mm-hmm. series. They don't get it with the back-to-back home runs in game four as the, the ATL took that commanding lead 3-1. to one. And then it feels like, okay, this thing is over. Grand slam, Austin Riley. And then to your point, Houston jumps back in. Is there any value still in, on the Astros now down three games? No, that's
2: a very good point, and I was going to bring that up, actually. If you don't want to bet necessarily game-by-game basis, Astros are still out there at $2 right. to win the series, to basically win two home games. So that is something i know you can try to do like the correlated parlay and i always hear about that you get a little bit more value very few bettors in the market realistically bet that way so i do want to point that out i know what the math is Mm -hmm. but you know you're getting two dollars here that could be a possibility if you don't want to necessarily stomach. And obviously, if you lose tonight, you lose. And you lose an even unit instead of losing a $1.30. All right,
3: let's see how that plays out. But, yeah, I kind of like that strategy here that if you're backing the Astros here going forward, probably that's the best value that they can win a game six and a game seven. Back at home again, we're going to have Will Hill, our VC contributor, a little bit later on talking all things World Series and, of course, NFL. But when we come back, Wes, let's dive into the NBA a little bit and take a look at some early season surprises, ATS, and what we have on tonight's docket right here in the Lombardi line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. You make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Back alongside West Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi Line right here on Veasan, and we're going to talk NBA now. But I have to say, West, that our producer Matt Santos in the breaks is, what do you make of the UFC 268 card tonight and or this weekend? And I got all flustered, starting to think about that. We're going to have Lou Finocerro on the program tomorrow here in the Lombardi Line. We will discuss more UFC 268 uh, in earnest as we go forward. But let's let's talk a little NBA here because when you look at some of the surprising teams in the early part of the season, I guess the biggest surprise team you can make is my old home in Chicago. When you look at the bulls, a uh, six and one straight up in ATS. They're also six and one. They had a huge comeback last night against the Celtics to get the blowout win on the road here. Uh, and you look at the heat here, uh five and one overall, and also the same number ATS. The jazz have been very good. Five and one uh, ATS and the wizards. Again, five and two ATS, and the Grizzle with John Morant early on five. Like you're looking at some of these teams. And, and I go, wow, did you see this coming from the Bulls, Wizards, and Grizzlies, per se?
2: Well, and and yeah, let me start with the teams that you omitted there. The Heat and the Jazz are not really a surprise. No. I, I, I thought that the Jazz were going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. Obviously, a lot of basketball left to be played, <laughs> but I still think they're going to be in the mix for that, simply because what we've seen a little bit, and we'll get to the struggling teams momentarily, what we've seen out of the Lakers, I thought, okay, it's going to take time for all these guys to come together. Meanwhile, the Jazz per- Pretty much the same team intact for Quinn Snyder out there in Salt Lake City. This is a very good team. They're healthy, obviously, to start the season. So so five and one against the number, also five and one straight up. That's not a surprise. Not really a surprise for the Heat either. They did bring in Kyle Lowry. So that kind of upgrades their point guard situation a little bit. And and you still have Jimmy Buckets there, and you still have, you know, they're gotta get try to see if they can get Oladipo back healthy. It's almost like Oladipo's like dressing at this point. I don't think that they really need him, wow. but he's another complimentary piece. Uh, Bam out of bio. He is questionable tonight, by the way, with a knee, but five games, 20.6 points, 14 rebounds a game. He is obviously kind of get rounded into all-star form. He's kind of one of those guys on the come up. That's like, eventually he's going to be a perennial all-star in this league, but you know, I, no real surprises with those two. The bulls, I thought were going to be better I did not think that they were going to be 6-1, and one, though. Oh. And I did actually bet them last night. I thought that ticket was dead. And then all of a sudden, they made a run. And, look, they're getting contribu- contributions, really, from everybody. Uh, we know that DeMar DeRozan is still a big-time scorer mm-hmm. in this league, and he was absolutely last with night 37 with 37 last, points. Yep. Zach Levine with 26. So, you're top two. You're getting 63 points. You're going to win a lot of Ooh. ball games. Now they have Vucevic there. They've added Lonzo Ball, who I think has been a pretty stabilizing force. Yes. But they're getting young guys guys produced an A.O. Desunmu of Illinois, who dropped down to the second round, gave him 14 big points, six of six from the floor, two from two from outside the arc. So they're getting these guys contribute here because now I think just on the basis of their starting lineup, they have more talent DeRozan, Levine, Lonzo, Vucevic, who they got in that trade mm-hmm. from Orlando. And then also uh, uh, Green is kind of a stabilizing force. He's obviously been well-traveled, but Jeff Green's still very much a three and D guy or Javante Green, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, also a three and D guy. So they're getting a lot of players, you know, all these young guys are starting to come together. So being six and one, I think is a little bit of a surprise, but I think people thought that the bulls were going to maybe get in the playoffs this year, maybe in that seven, eight spot, and maybe that's where they end up. Wizards are a little bit of a surprise because it's like, man, I watched that Wizards team last year and they never played a lick of defense. No. So, so I was like, I don't know if they could stop anybody, but a new coach there right now for the Washington Wizards and. You know, the whole thing with Bradley Beal, you were wondering if this was going to eventually be like a Kyrie situation. Right. It has turned out not to be. And also the Wizards not necessarily that healthy. They got a couple of young guys out. Uh, Thomas Bryant has been in and out with a knee injury. Raihichimura R- R- from Gonzaga mm-hmm. has been out. So they really haven't been at full strength, but a nice start there, 5-2. and two. I think the schedule has been very friendly for them. And they did lose their last game, 118-111, to 111 after the Wizards had won three in a row. But, Probably the biggest surprise is maybe the Bulls being six and one. Not that they're above five hundred, but being six and
3: one. Yeah, covering those numbers six out of seven times so, so far, I, and my timelines get blown up on a Bulls game. Oh man, like so do I. mine. Man, holy it's like, mackerel. The Chicago Bulls are good.
2: We are back, baby. Michael Jordan, of, baby, look, he's back. Look, uh, they're not getting a lot to write home about on the gridiron. No. I mean, look, the the Mannings are taking next week off for God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, we don't get three hours of Peyton Manning just savaging Matt Nagy.
3: Unbelievable. All right, let's talk about the bottom five teams. ATS. And I guess to your point, it's not a huge surprise when you see the Lakers on this list here. Four and three straight up, but ATS two and five. The Celtics, though, to me, a really slow start here, two and five. And the Suns, maybe that bit of a hangover from being in the finals a year ago. The expectation level Mm -hmm. is too high, and it has not been matched by the team's production so far. The Pistons, boy, I just don't know what to make of them. The Mavs also four and two straight up, but only two and four ATS. Is it the biggest surprise to you? Not a surprise, the Lakers, because you think they just need time to figure it out.
2: Yeah, with, with the Mavs, I'll start there at the bottom. That's not a real surprise, because this is a completely different identity now with Jason Kidd right. as the head coach. So the offense really has not been all that efficient. The defense has been better, but it's, it's, it's a big philosophy change going from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd. So you knew that there was going to be a little bit of transition there with the Celtics. First time head coach with Imi Oduka, because Brad Stevens is now upstairs in the front office. So look. It takes a little bit of time for a coach to get familiar with the players, get the rotations down. I think the Celtics eventually are going to figure that out simply because they have too much talent not to. They have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in their prime. You still have a veteran steady influence that's good in that locker room and good for the culture. And Al Horford, Mm -hmm. you still have Marcus Smart. You have a bunch of young pieces, Dennis Schroeder, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Lankford starting to get a few more minutes. So they're just trying to figure it out. They have a very good starting five, but they're trying to see. Which of these young guys are going to have staying power in this rotation? So, I eventually think there's going to be value on the Celtics to figure it out. The Suns is not a surprise, necessarily a surprise at all, simply because you get that little hangover, and it happens in every sport. A team that loses in the championship, right. a team that loses in the Super Bowl, a team that loses in the finals, at least early on. Now, sometimes it can go ahead and extend through the season, and then obviously injuries can add to that, but you usually get a little bit of a rough start because that's tough to get over, man. When you get to that top of the mountain and you don't end up on top at the end, but when you're right there going for that ring, going for that trophy, going for that championship, and you fall short, you just don't get that many opportunities. You take it for granted like when it's the Lakers when it's like, ah, they're in the finals every Mm -hmm. year and these guys got like a, a trunk full of rings, for God's sakes. You don't get that many opportunities. And when you fall short, boy, that stings, and that's a long time to get over.
3: After leading 2-0 against Milwaukee in the finals and not closing that out, I'm sure it feels like uh, uh, 10 years ago for the Suns right now, getting off to a very slow start. Very quickly, I want to get to the under teams so far uh, and and look at some of these teams uh, that have been just, my goodness, not scoring points like we would expect them to, to, to score. The Nets... 0-7 mm-hmm. right now on totals. Uh, you got to play all the unders if you want to win those. Mavericks, to your point, offensively struggling right now. 0-6 against us. Look at all – I just – I cannot believe we're six, seven games in and not one of these games involving these teams here in the top four have gone over. I mean, West, we're used to points, 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 points. So far – My goodness, is this just a trend, or what are you seeing across the league?
2: Eventually, water is going to find its level. On the net standpoint, that's simply, look, Kyrie Irving's not in the lineup, so you've got to disperse your score, and you've got to get used to new rotations, and that takes time. Look... Offenses are clearly down the O rating, the effective field goal percentage, the three-point shooting going into last night was 34%. That's down about 2.7 from last year. The foul shooting or free throw rate is down simply because they're not giving you those calls anymore. Mm. So that's part and parcel of it where you're forcing into contact and leaning Ah. in. They're letting that go a little bit. There's a couple other additional factors, too. I don't think that this is as big of a factor, but maybe there's something to it. There is a new ball. In the league, Spalding was the manufacturer of the ball in the NBA for 30 years. Now it's Wilson. I don't know if there's really that much of a difference, but at, at least it's something to consider. I think also one thing with the arenas, most of the arenas now are full or at least close to capacity seating at this point. Last year it was empty, so the death perception is different. So the shooting was a lot better. You didn't have the fans in the background, and I think the players kind of like that, at least from a percentage standpoint. Mm. Now you got teams at home that are actually shooting worse than teams on the road did last season, so there there could be something to that. Also, I mentioned about the officiating. They're not letting you grip in on those little pump fake lean-ins. They're not buying those Reggie Miller kick-out-the-leg stuff. <laughs> that he did all that year. So the officiating has been more pro-defense than it has been pro-offense, at least early in the season. Plus the fact, also, it's October. You're going to get maybe slow starts. These guys just need games under their belt. I think in November, you're going to start to see a little regression of the meaning where you get some higher-scoring games.
3: I mean, it's not 90s basketball, no. but scoring is no. down across the board. When we come back, Will Hill is going to join us, to talk World Series and NFL. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, welcomes you to Showtime with a special offer on the World Series. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a home run in that game, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code in 200 when you make your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the World Series like never before with BetMGM's live betting options, boosted odds specials at your fingertips for every single game. Download the app or go to betmgm.com to use the bonus code vcent 200 to win 200 bucks in free bets. If a home run is hit in the World Series game, you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable fee bets, free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days. From issuance back here alongside Wes Reynolds. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right now. We always like to bring in not the Will Hill, but it is the Will Hill. That's who he is on Twitter. Of course, our visa, visa contributor and point spread editor. Well, it is the World Series still. It is game six tonight. Wes and I were discussing earlier this hour. You kind of feel like the Braves had him on the ropes for nothing. Game five didn't get it done. How do you handicap game six after what you saw in game five?
4: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, a lot of people were probably watching football, judging by the ratings you were, because not a lot of people have watched this World Series. And I love baseball, but these games are tough. They last four hours. They start late. They all last after midnight. But uh, similar to the Astros-Red Sox series, if you remember, the Astros were a few outs away from being down three games to one in Fenway a couple weeks ago. Altuve-Homers, they come back, win the game, tie the series, and they just ran past the Red Sox like they were standing still. Um, You got to worry about that if you're Atlanta, you know, you're up 3-1, you're home, you hit a grand slam in the first inning, the place is going crazy. For the Astros to get off the mat and get this series back to Houston has to be very concerning for you if you're the Braves. Now, they only have two starting pitchers, really. They're piecing together otherwise, but they've got these guys lined up for Game 6 and Game 7 with Freed Anderson. Uh, I I do like Houston tonight. It does concern you a little bit. Garcia is pitching on short rest, and this is the first time not only he's pitching on short rest, but every other start he's had extra rest. So, Definitely something to uh, consider. Maybe you look at an under strikeout prop with him because I think the first sign of trouble, they will go to the bullpen uh, with with Garcia here. Freed's a good pitcher. I can understand taking in it plus money. I just think the momentum has shifted here, and I'd be very concerned uh, if I'm Atlanta about getting a split here. I do think we're
2: headed for a game seven. No, I'm with Will, and Will brings up a very good point about Garcia because remember what we talked about with game three, He got away with only one earned run, but he did kind of struggle a little bit with four walks and three and two-thirds innings. So I think Dusty... More than likely, he's going to have the quick hook with Garcia and really try to have to turn this into a bullpen game. So I'm also on the Astros here, but I do think that that's a cause for concern. You just don't want to see Garcia start to walk the world a little bit because that's where they can get in trouble.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and will too. I know sometimes you look at first five plays here, knowing that maybe Dusty goes to that bullpen early if he does get in any trouble. Is there a lean either way, either on a side or a total, that you might like in the first? First
4: five Probably pass it. Usually, if I'm if I'm getting plus money, I'll try to play the first five and just take the half a run, so I can kind of steal a win if it's two two or three three after five. But in this one, I'm not looking to lay the half a run. I'll just I'll just play it out and you know play on my hunch that we are going to get a game seven and you know which should be a lot of fun tomorrow night if we do get one. But uh, man, that's gonna be tough for Atlanta if they can't get this series on. There. They got two chances to win one game, but if you know if you if you're not holding up the trophy here and you're not having a parade here in a few days. This is one that sticks with you. Up three games to one in the World Series. Remember, they are up three games to one in the NLCS last year and had a lead on the Dodgers in Game 5. So kind of eerily similar if you're Atlanta. Not the series is over. You're still in, you know, pretty good shape here, up three to two. But man, if you can't get one of these next two, it's a devastating loss for the franchise. Right, yeah,
3: I totally agree. Like this is one you you felt like, boy, you already had it in Game Five. You don't get it done, and now you got to go win the, win it again. If you felt like it was already over after that first inning on Game Five.
2: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Will one more on the World Series here, and that's World Series MVP. And I basically just bet uh, like three dark horses here to see. You know, I wanted to kind of go off the beaten path uh, against all the favorites and whatnot and I use Dansby Swanson obviously that's not going to happen Yuri Guriel and Jorge Soler who is now your favorite uh, uh I know Jason Weingarten was on our network with Gil Alexander recommended Soler and I you know put a little pizza money on it and right now he's five to one anybody a little bit under Soler that you might be looking for for MVP here
4: Well, I had Solaire too. I didn't hear Jason's pick and I went with him and you know, Jason's really sharp. So when I heard Jason went with him, I felt good about it. And man, he he was the leading candidate, hit a couple homers, great OPS. He had some walks, a couple homers, a game winning homer. And I don't know if you guys were watching the other night. I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning. He hit a ball that was gotta be two or three feet foul. Would have given the Braves the lead. Would have really, you know, put the game away and given him the award. So that's a tough one for Soler. You know, it's interesting. Nobody has eye-popping stats. I mentioned Solero's good stats, a couple homers. I don't think anyone else has multiple homers. It's really kind of a wide-open award. Uh, I'd be curious at a price. I do also have Ian Anderson at 80-1. to 1. Uh, I think he's like 40, 50-1 to 1 now. I always shop around, obviously, for the best number. But in a series where nobody has eye-popping stats, you know, Anderson has five shutout innings, five no-hit innings. He has a win. if this goes seven tomorrow like we think, you know what? Maybe he wins game three and game seven. Leaves a good taste in the voters' mouths. Uh, You know, if he can have a stat line where he's got 11 or 12 shutout innings or 12 winnings, a one-run ball, 2-0 with the uh, game-winning, with the series-clinching win, he's worth a shot to me. I I don't think it's impossible. It's just kind of a strange series where nobody has great stats. I think I'm worried Freeman's going to win just because he's a sentimental favorite and he did homer the other night. I don't think it's justified. But really kind of a wide-open award, and I I do think there's – you know, a shot here for Anderson at, at a long shot price. Talking
3: with Will Hill, our recent contributor here. Follow him on Twitter as I do at not the Will Hill. You do a great job with us every Sunday on the green zone. I do want to get your thoughts very quickly on the Rams and Titans game here. We know Derek Henry, the king. He might be gone for the rest of the year. Adrian Peterson coming in there. I don't see and recall many line moves for a running back that have moved the line three points, the way this thing has already moved now to the Rams, laying seven and a half at home. Is that just because of Derrick Henry? What do you make of that significant line move to open up this week, Will?
4: Yeah, it's kind of a perfect storm where Derrick Henry goes out. You got that blow. You got Von Miller going to the Rams, whether he moves the number, a half a point, quarter of a point, maybe just in terms of public perception. I think the public's going to be all over the Rams here. Usually I would be against him and I would take the Titans. I would fade the line move. I say, you know what, it's it's not worth the overreaction. We talked last week about the Bengals and the Jets. That was an overreaction of a line movement. I'm actually going to lay the points here with the Rams just because I think it's a perfect storm in terms of the situation for the Titans. Let's just look at them quickly. They beat the Bills a few weeks ago on Monday night. Short week, they beat the Chiefs in a huge win. Then they win at the Colts in a game that basically puts the division away. They kind of stole the game. I had Indy. I got to feel like Indy just let that game get away. How many times can you keep going back to the well here with a home run effort? This looks to me like a little bit of a flat spot. And then you took away Henry, who, you know, he was in the mix here for MVP. If you look a little closer, his production's really more about volume than – you know, yards per carry and that kind of thing. He hasn't had a great year, but he's still really good. And what he does to the defense, you, you pack the box when he's in there. It, it makes play action easier. It changes everything. I think this is going to be a little bit of a culture shock for the Titans. Tannehill's not the same quarterback. When you get, take away the play action, you make him just drop back and pass. Uh, Rams are still fighting for the division. So I think the Rams win this game by double digits. I think it's kind of a tough spot for the Titans who, you know, still are not great on defense here.
2: No, will absolutely nailed it here because look, now you're Tennessee and you got a three game lead and it's not over necessarily in the AFC South, but it is hanging a little bit by a thread for the Colts. So maybe this is kind of like the Titans have had so many big efforts. Eventually you run out of injury or or energy rather. And we Mm -hmm. saw that kind of with Baltimore last week against Cincinnati, but will let's flip to the other side of the AFC South. Then we have a. Thursday night game. Indianapolis Colts, second of three straight home games. I was on them with you. So they was did kind of give that game away. Uh the play calling. Carson Wentz with uh the bad turnover when they should have been running the ball in overtime with six minutes ago, only needing a field goal, but I digress. Now you're getting laying ten and a half here with the Colts. This was 14 and a half on the look ahead. Mike White showed he had a pulse. The Jets caught Cincinnati kind of in a bad spot, third straight road game. I know you're liking the Jets here. I'm waiting to maybe see if I can lay 10 or nine and a half with the Colts if I ever get the opportunity to do so. But make your case for the Jets for us, please, Counselor Hill.
4: Yeah, we're we're over the key number of 10 here. And as far as I know, Carson Wentz is still the quarterback for the Colts. So I can only look to the Jets here. I can only look to the Jets. Like I mentioned, White wasn't good. White was great the other day. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards, uh, was really tremendous in the game. You can say maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it's not. But the, the team looked energized. They played well on defense. I just I can't lay it here with the Colts. I can only take it it, with with New York here on a short week. I'll, I'll be fascinated to see if White can duplicate this performance and what this means. You know, if Wilson were to get healthy, how do you put him back in the lineup? I mean, White's been that good. Even threw for 200 yards uh, a couple weeks ago in garbage time against the Patriots. So, I can only look to take the points here. I mean, look, it's a three. It's not that records mean everything. But you got a three and five team laying ten and a half. I like the Jets here. I think it's too high.
3: Yeah, very quickly, uh, boys, I had the Titans uh, week two against Seattle. Excuse me, I had Seattle money line in that game. Remember that historic collapse in the second half? I had the Bills money line against the Titans a couple weeks ago. And I had Indianapolis last week. The Titans have killed me this year with all these wins so i might take the rams with will just out of spite we'll always appreciate <laughs> the time and the information of course we'll catch up with you sunday on the green zone
4: decentcom slash listen see you guys thanks appreciate it Thank Hour you, will.
3: Two of the lombardi lines stay with us we are back in just a moment
0: infinity presents a new chapter in luxury